1 Chronicles, um, chapter 29, verses 1 to 20. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colours, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Orpha, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon 
the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. Amen. It's great to see you all today, particularly a warm welcome if you're visiting. Uh, if you're here with Tom's family, it's great to have you with us today. Um, and we're starting a new series at the beginning of this year, um, lifting our eyes to who God is. And the verse for the year um, is on the screen behind me. I think this is a great verse. Um, Neil called this verse out for us, and as elders we talked and prayed about it. And I think this is a great verse for us, because and, and on a day like today's baptism, we could have a verse a bit like last year. Um, Do not be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's a great verse that acts as a kind of rallying cry of what we're to do as Christians. The beauty of this verse for this year, and I think very timely for us as a church, is it's not a verse that tells us to do anything. Instead, it's a verse that lifts our eyes to who God is, that we would spend this year in all that we do reflecting on that. And so I think this is a great verse for you, Tom, um, as we preach today uh, on this verse for the year, and as I seek to encourage you particularly uh, on this special day for you and your family. Uh, this year, I think the biggest challenge I would put to every one of you is just say to yourself, this year, I want to know God better. I think that would be a great challenge for you to think about, to pray about, to take into this year. And at the beginning of 2018, to look back over this year and go, is that true in my life? Do I know God better and do I love him uh, more deeply? If there was one book you were to read this year that would help you with that, is this book, Knowing God. It's been around for a long, long time, and it's a brilliant, brilliant book. If you read a lot, then you'll love it. If you don't read a lot, you'll love it, but you'll have to work hard at it because there's things in it will challenge you. But this is a book that I would challenge everybody to read this year if you want to get to know God better. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, And this more modern edition has got a study guide in the back to help you. Um, A friend of mine sells books, and he happens to have given me a a bag of copies for only £3 only. Um, So being a little salesman, uh, if you want one of the eight or nine copies I've got for £3, come and find me afterwards. I'd love to give these to you so that you can uh, read this this year. Um, But it'd be a great challenge. Tom, don't worry, I'm going to give you one later on. There you go. Uh, Let's play a word association game. If I said to you, you need to sort of participate with this, okay? Um, Otherwise, I look a bit silly. If I say Genesis, you might say... Okay, you might say Exodus. Good. Uh, if I say Psalms, you might say David or songs. Good. If I said Mark's Gospel, you would say Jesus. Yeah, very good. Uh, if I said to you One Chronicles, you would say what? Brilliant. Uh, that went to plan. Um, we're looking at a verse that comes from this book, 1 Chronicles. And you may not know where 1 Chronicles is in the Bible. You may never have read it before. But it's a brilliant book. And uh, rather than jumping straight into the verse, I want to try and set the scene of what was going on when this was written. Because it's hugely important. Um, 1 Chronicles was written a long time after what I'm going to explain now. But it's referring to what I'm explaining. You'll be familiar with some of the kings of Israel. Uh, there was King David in the middle. Uh, King Solomon, who finished building the great temple in Jerusalem. And he had a son called Rehoboam. Okay, But what happened under Rehoboam's rule is that the kingdom of Israel was divided. There were 12 tribes that made up Israel. 
and they became divided. And you see in the, in, on the screen behind me that there was what was called Judah, which was named the southern kingdom. Uh, and um, there was a northern kingdom called Israel. So there's 12 tribes of Israel. Two of the tribes kind of separate and go south, Judah. And 10 of the tribes go north and become Israel. And why is that important? Because when God's people have a divided heart, it's characteristic of their leaders having a divided heart. But what it symbolizes is a divided heart before God. And after God's people were kind of broken apart, this is what happened. And you can see on the screen here is Israel. The first lot of people, which were the northern kingdom, here Israel, they went off into Assyria. This was a foreign superpower who took them off into captivity in another land. And then a bit later on, the southern kingdom, Judah, was taken off following this red line to Babylon. God's people, who were designed to be together united in one place, were suddenly broken apart and taken off to completely foreign nations. And God's people were in a complete and utter mess. And it's whilst in exile in Babylon that 1 Chronicles was written. And it was written probably by a guy called Ezra, who was responsible for helping to rebuild Jerusalem when God's people came back. And he had one purpose in writing 1 Chronicles, and that was to encourage God's people who were returning home again. It's a wonderful book of encouragement. The first nine chapters focus on the faithfulness of God through history. And then after that, we get a big focus on King David. So the book of 1 and 2 Chronicles repeats a lot of what you would read in the Bible in the book of 1 and 2 Kings, but with a specific focus on Judah, the southern kingdom who went off into exile into Babylon, but then were released and came back. And Ezra probably wrote this letter or this book to encourage God's people, reminding them of something that happened in the past. And the person he focuses on to encourage them is David, the great king from the great city. Well, here's our verse for the year. Oh, there's just a couple of, um, of pictures um, from the British Museum of God's people being taken captive into Babylon. Uh, divided heart. But here's the verse for our year. And this is a great verse for us because more than challenging us to do something, it helps lift our eyes to God. Um, for us to focus on our hearts before him, which is the single most important thing that any of us could do this year. True worship as a Christian is all about the attitudes of our hearts, which leads to joy. And today is a great day of joy and celebration for Tom and his family. And I love one of the lines in Tom's testimony. It came right at the end. I am now living for God's glory in God's strength. That is brilliant because that is a summary really of what it means to be a Christian. To live for the glory of God in the strength that God gives. That's a wonderful thing for him to say. And so as Ezra writes 1 Chronicles to encourage the returning people back into Israel and their hearts that have been broken, perhaps being healed, this is a great day as we celebrate Tom's new birth as a Christian um, to encourage one another with these same words. And look in the reading because it starts with this. David Praise the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. So remember the context from the reading. This is King David, all before the exile. And he is giving thanks to God for the the blessing that God has given his people, which has enabled them to give to build the temple of God. So David is reflecting in his heart his love for God. And he says this, that he praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. And that's really what Tom did today. Sharing his story was his way of praising God in the presence of this church family. But as we go on, just have a look at some of the things that this verse teaches us. David starts off by recognizing who God is. And that is the root of all worship. We can't worship God if we don't understand who he is. 
And David's uh, psalm or prayer begins with these words, Praise be to you, Lord. Lord in capitals in the Bible is referring to that Hebrew name for God, Yahweh, that refers to the covenant nature of God. God is a faithful God and faithful to his promises. And David recalls his faithfulness. And then he goes on, do you see, in the second part of our verse, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. That is a phrase that speaks of the faithfulness of God. And we thought about this last week, didn't we? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is why we worship him, because he never changes and he's worthy of our worship. And then David goes on and he he really describes some of the attributes of the nature or character of God. And I've highlighted them there and underlined some of them. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. I'll just pause to think about those things for a minute. They're wonderful because these are descriptions of who God is. God is great. God is powerful. God has majesty and splendor and glory. But why are these things more significant? More than just being what they are, things that are about what God is like, notice too they're also relational things. They speak of the way that God relates. God is not just great. He is great in the way that he relates to his people. God is not just powerful. He's proved through his history of time in the way he's dealt with his people that he is powerful. And so as you reflect on the nature of God, what that does is it helps us to understand how God relates to us and how we are then to relate to him. So David recognizes who is God, he recognizes God's faithfulness, he recognizes the attributes, the characteristics of who God is, are played out in the way that he relates to his people. And then we read here, for, which is a kind of Bible way of saying, which means that, or this is the result of, everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Just think about that line for yourself. If everything in heaven and on earth belongs to God, what does that mean for you and your life? If everything in heaven and on earth belongs to God, that means that you belong to God and I belong to him, which is a pretty mind-blowing thing to think about. I belong to God. And so as we reflect on this verse for the year, there's not in some senses huge amounts to be said about it. I'd love you to take away one of the cards that are outside on the way out. This has just got the verse printed on it. You can reflect on this for yourself through this year. Allow this verse to speak to you through the year. But what I'd love to do particularly, and to encourage you, Tom, today, is to apply this verse of the year by thinking about that question on the screen. What has happened in Tom's life to enable him to say this? Okay, these weren't his exact words, but his testimony was testifying to this same God. What has to happen? What has happened in Tom's life that enabled him to say this? And what would have to happen in your life, perhaps, or has happened in your life to enable you to say this? And the first thing this, Tom has experienced the grace of God. Have a look at our passage. Just after our verse for the year, it goes on in verse 12. And David, remember, says this, wealth and honor comes from you. And here's the significant bit. Then he says, he asks God a question. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? So he's reflecting on all the wealth that God has given him as king and all the wealth that God has given his people. And he says, who are we that you would give us all this? 
that we can then give it back to you to build this great temple. So think about that little phrase, who am I, David says. Because to be able to say what David has said, in answer to that question, what has happened in Tom's life to enable him to say this? He has experienced God's grace, which most fundamentally means that he has understood that his life is a gift from God. Every one of us have been given our lives as a gift from God. And when you think about your life being a gift from God, that God has given you your life and everything you have, think about then the way that you and I treat God. This is who, imagine this hand here represents who God is and what he has done. And this here hand represents who I am and the way that I live my life. The two often aren't connected, are they? This is who God is, but I live my life as if I'm Lord. This is who God is, but I want to be in control of my own life. And so you see there's this big gap between who God is and the way he should be worshipped and the reality of your life probably and my life, that we don't love God with all that we are. This is great chasm. The Bible calls that chasm, in one way, sin. Another word would be debt. You and I here, we owe God a great debt because I don't relate to him as I should. And the problem is this great chasm, this debt, I can't pay myself. I can't be good enough. I can't go to church enough. I can't read my Bible enough, give enough money away to bridge this great debt that I owe God. It's a debt that's just too big for me to pay. But the extraordinary thing that Tom has come to realize is that this great chasm, this debt, has been paid by God himself. That's what the Bible describes as grace, a gift that God has given, where he gives us himself. He gives us his son, Jesus, who was perfect. There was no debt that Jesus owed. And when God gave his son, Jesus, to pay the debt, this great chasm that we can't bridge ourselves is suddenly bridged. Think of Jesus. This is who God is. This is the way God should be worshipped. Who was Jesus? Just like that. Worship God perfectly. So he was everything that we can't be and everything that we need. And Tom has come to recognize that his life is a gift from God. And that is the first thing that enables him to say what we see in our passage. But here's perhaps almost a more important thing, not just about experiencing the grace of God, what also has to happen in Tom's life, perhaps in your life, to enable you to say these words of the verse for the year for yourself, is that we have to respond. If to experience God's grace is to recognize that my life is a gift, then to respond to God's grace is to give my life back to him. And that is what worship is all about. And Tom's done this. He has asked for forgiveness. He's understood that his life is a gift from God and he's asked for that great chasm, that debt that he can't pay to be bridged for him by the one who was perfect, Jesus. Uh, He's been baptized, symbolizing, as we've heard, dying to his old way of life and rising up to a new way of life with Jesus Christ as Lord. Uh, He shared a wonderful testimony, a personal story. No one wrote that for him. That was his story of the grace of God at work in his life. And now he wants to use the gifts that he has given to serve God. And that's what giving in the Christian life is all about. It's about saying, if God, you've given me everything, if my life is a gift, then I want to give it all back to you. Everything in my life. And you see that in the reading, don't you? Verse 16. David says, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. As we reflect on this verse for the year this year, I'd love you just to think for a moment 
Um, think about all the money you have, whether you have a lot of money or a little money. Are you able to say of all of it, it belongs to you, God? So often our attitude is perhaps, well, I'll give this much because that's what I ought to do, I want to do, but then the rest is mine. But if this verse is true, everything belongs to God. And yes, we can give some of it, we can save some of it, we can spend some of it on ourselves, we can use some of it to be a blessing to others, and we have to work that out ourselves in our own conscience. But the point is, all of it belongs to God. Think about your home. All of it belongs to you. Is that the way that you treat your home, or is it your home? Actually, it's just a gift that God has given you and given me to use, to honor him, and to be a blessing to others. Um, Think about your gifts. Maybe you're a a person who's at work, and you're using your gifts for him. Maybe you're not in paid employment. You're still using your gifts. David says, all of it belongs to you, Lord. If that's true, then this year, as you think about the gifts that God has given you, the passions he's laid on your heart, what could you do to use your gifts to serve God and other people? Think about time, maybe the most precious gift of all. Last year was a busy year. Maybe this year we need to treasure the gift of time that God has given us more. Think about how do I spend my time? How do I waste my time? How do I invest my time in a way that will really honor God, be a blessing to myself and be a blessing to other people? And Tom, here's a couple of things for you. Uh, We know that you have a great love for music. That's one of your great gifts. I just encourage you as you continue to grow, think about how can you use those gifts that God has given you? To be a blessing to him. Because if this is true, all of it belongs to you. Then your musical gifts aren't your gifts. They're gifts that God has given you. I don't know Tom massively well, but I've noticed a few things about him. Just on following a few things he's put on social media, I can tell here's a young guy who has a real heart for compassion and speaks up against injustice and just some of the posts you put on Facebook and things. Well, why has God given you that passion? I don't know. But I encourage you, use that passion he's given you. Think about how you can be a blessing to others with whatever it is that God has laid on your heart. See, what has happened in Tom's life that he's able to say what David said in this great few words? He's first of all experienced God's grace. Life is a gift. And he secondly responded to God's grace. He's saying, I want to give my life back. And that was the line in his testimony, wasn't it? I am now living for God's glory in his strength. Just the last question to think about then. What needs to happen to enable Tom to continue saying this? Because actually today he can stand up here and, and share a wonderful testimony. But the really important thing is, is he able to share that same testimony tomorrow? And next week and next year? And maybe if God blesses him with many years when he's 80 years old. And if you are 80 years old or older perhaps, maybe you've been walking with the Lord a long time, you'll know the answer to this question now. What needs to happen to enable Tom or somebody else to continue to say these words. There's a bit of an anticlimax in many ways. There's no kind of golden bullet to swallow. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you'll know that this is true. What needs to happen to continue to be able to say what Thomas said today? It's simply to continue to experience and respond to the grace of God. That's all you need to do. And it's God's work in you. Let me illustrate this. Tom, I've got a passport here. It's my passport. I want you to imagine this is yours. Now, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh, come on. There's so many places. Where would you go? Peru. Oh, very good. 
Okay, well imagine this is your passport, okay? The wonderful thing about a passport, when I'm given a passport by the passport office, it gives me the opportunity then to travel anywhere in the world. And if I have the means, I can go. So if this is Tom's passport, and he got the money together, he could go to Peru. But if Tom has a passport, but he just leaves it in his desk at home, or in a, in a cupboard, it's wonderful because he's got the passport that enables him to go to Peru, but if he never does anything with the passport, he'll never get to Peru. You have to use it. Sometimes I think many people come to faith in Jesus and it's a bit like being given a passport. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I belong to God. I know I've got this perfect eternity waiting for me because of what Jesus has done for me. But in some ways, the passport kind of just stays in the pocket. I've put my trust in Jesus, but I never really grow to love him more. I never grow to experience all that he has for me. That'd be like you, Tom, having a passport, but never maybe getting to Peru. And don't worry if you don't get to Peru, because you'll get there in heaven, and it'll be much better than it is now. But the point of the illustration is, if I have been, if I put my trust in Jesus, but I don't then continue to grow to love him more, it's like owning a passport, but never traveling. We put our trust in him, so that the rest of our life is an adventure, getting to know him more. And the more that, Tom, you put your trust in God, and the bigger he gets to you, the bigger your awe and wonder of God gets the deeper and deeper your relationship with him will grow and the better and better your relationship with him will get. Of course, this will take patience. There's times in our lives where life gets difficult. Our timing often isn't God's timing. Sometimes part of God's plan to help us to get to know him better is to take us through difficult times. It's not what we want. So we need patience as Christians. We also need perseverance because it's not an automatic thing. Me growing as a Christian, you growing as a Christian, is all God's work in you by his spirit. But we have to take responsibility for our own growth in the sense of putting ourselves in environments where we're going to grow, where we're going to learn, to be disciplined in reading our Bible and praying. These things are hugely important. But Tom, today particularly, we want to give thanks for your life. We want to give thanks for your story of how God has worked in your life and how you now want to give your life to serve him. And I'm confident God will use you powerfully in the future, but not because you will ever become great, but because you serve a great God. And if you keep on experiencing and responding to the grace of God, and if we all do, then this will be a good year as a church, because we'll all grow to love him more. Now, I said I was going to give you a copy of this book, which I'm going to in a minute. I'd love you to take this as a little present to remember today and to remember this verse of the year. And in it, I've put the verse of the year card I gave my life to Jesus when I was your age, in front of my school, and that was 16 years ago. And and over those years, I've been learning all sorts of things, and I will continue learning things all through my life. But there are some things that have become really important to me, which I've written on this card for you, to put on the back of the verse for year, in the book about knowing God. I just want to read them to you for your benefit and for the benefit of others. But these are things that I have come to understand have helped me to grow and experience the love of God for myself. Uh, And we'll end with this. Tom, immerse yourself in God's word. Because God's word is where we find the gospel on every single page. And as the gospel burns more deeply in your heart, as you read the scriptures, you'll learn to love God more. So treasure the, the gospel and God's word. Second thing, this is something I haven't really spent enough time thinking about. Only really in the last year or so have I really begun to think about this. I want to encourage you to really learn to pray. Not just this kind of token five minutes in the morning that's important, but really learn to pray and learn the really important thing that without God's spirit in your life, 
We're nothing. We need God's spirit to work in us and for us to be fully dependent on him in all things. Third thing, this is a really practical thing. Uh, Spend time with godly people who inspire you. Uh, I'm just finding over the years that if I go and spend time with an older, wiser pastor who can inspire me or or go and spend time with a Christian businessman who shows real integrity in his life uh, or spend time with a younger person who's a great example to me in other ways, whoever it is, spend time with godly people who inspire you and they'll set an example to you. And the last thing, and I say this not just because I'm a younger guy speaking to a young guy, because I pray I'll say this uh, as a very old man, take risks for God. Of course, that doesn't mean being cavalier and brusque, but it means that so often, I think this is true for lots of young guys, we're so worried about people's approval and pleasing people, that becomes more important to us than honouring God. Of course, we need to listen to the wisdom of others. We need to seek counsel. But don't take, do take risks, because if you believe, as we do, in a great God, as this verse tells us, then we're not really taking risks at all, because he will give us everything that he wants to give us to accomplish his purposes. So Tom, we want to encourage you today and for us as a whole church as we move into 2017. My prayer for us all is that we would be able to say together, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Amen.